Pastor Xavier Reese explains that the price for eternal life has already been paid. The entire Passover was done in faith according to what God had revealed to be the substitute for each person, the Lamb. The Passover Lamb, Jesus Christ, was and is the substitute for the sins of the world. Those who believe and trust in it and give themselves to it. God didn't send His Son to condemn the world, but that through Him the world might be saved. The choice is yours, ladies and gentlemen. No one else's. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. By faith, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. This passage from Hebrews 11.28 describes the faith of Moses that enabled him to lead the Israelites out of the bondage of Egypt. And as we continue in our Simple Truth study of Exodus chapter 12 and the Passover today, Pastor Xavier explains how it's that same faith in the Lamb of God, Jesus, where we too are set free from the bondage of sin. Exodus chapter 12, the message is entitled, The Passover at Egypt. The nine plagues Yahweh has poured upon Egypt has nearly destroyed it. He's got one more. And God in his usual manner, he warns Pharaoh about this last one in chapter 11 through Moses. Notice verse 3 through 5, the congregation of Israel was to be instructed on the necessary provisions for the Passover. In verse 3, the congregation on the 10th month was to provide a lamb for each household. Real simple. Verse 5, the lamb was to be without blemish, a male, sheep or goat, doesn't matter. So this requirement goes all the way through the Levitical law later when it's codified. Then the whole assembly of congregation of Israel would kill it at twilight. Verse 6 tells us also. Now, the blood of the lamb was to be appropriated. Very important here. The individuals were to take some of the blood of the lamb put it on the two doorposts, the lintel of the house where they were going to eat the Passover. They were to be ready to leave and to eat the meal with the belts on their waist, sands on their feet, staff on their hand, and they shall have eat it in haste. Yahweh was going to execute the tenth plague judgment. For I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, the first of everything. Because the first of everything belongs to the gods of Egypt. This is the greatest judgment, you understand? And then Yahweh was going to judge the deities of Egypt by slaying their firstborn belonging to them. He says it clearly, and against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. Look at 13. Yahweh was going to pass over the Hebrews and not judge them. The blood would be a sign for the Jews on the house where they were eating the meal. When Yahweh saw the blood, he would pass over them, it says there. The plague would not be on them to destroy them as he struck the land of Egypt. In verse 14, the Passover lamb meal was to be a memorial, as he says there, to keep the feast of the Lord throughout their generations. The Jews would keep it as a feast for an everlasting ordinance. So verse 14 is a transitional verse looking back. It's talking about the Passover feast. And then in 15, the feast of Passover here is connected with unleavened. They're closely related, but they are distinct. The feast of unleavened bread would follow seven days, eating unleavened bread. It tells us 15. Again, Leviticus 23, 6 would help you there. Because leaven is always a type of sin, and we'll see this. 
Paul puts it this way to the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 5, 7 through 8. Therefore purge out the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, since you truly are unleavened. Talking about the Christian. For indeed Christ, our Passover, was crucified for us. Therefore let us keep the feast, not with all leaven, nor with the leaven of malice or wickedness, but with unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. So he ties Passover and the Feast of Unleavened together in the fulfillment, right? Christ did it. And we trust him. For our salvation. The unleavened feast was prophetic of Christ also. The bread represented his body. He was born in Bethlehem. How's the bread? Jesus said, I am the bread of life. The institution of the Passover was prophetic of Christ. Now notice secondly, you have the implementation of the Passover, 21 through 28. Because instructions and information is good. But if you don't implement it, it doesn't help you, does it? They were to take the bunch of hyssops, little plant that grows on rocks, kind of for medicinal purpose, and also they use it for kind of like a sponge thing. Dip it in the blood that was in the basin. They strike the lint of the two doorposts of the blood from the basin. And they were, not one person was to go outside the door of his house till the morning. Moses communicated the reason for the blood. The Lord would pass through and strike the Egyptians. In verse 23, when Yahweh saw the blood in the lintel, the two doorposts, he would not allow the destroyer to strike them at the house. The phrase Passover means to spring over, to leap over. So he see the blood, hurdle. Want to strike it. That was a protection. Some people call him the death angel, but really here our text tells us it's God, Yahweh, who killed him. You understand? He did it. 26 through 28, they were to instruct their children about the celebration's meaning. And they were to answer, this is the Passover sacrifice of the Lord who passed over the house of the children of Israel in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians and delivered our household. Two things happened. Those who believed in the blood were delivered. Those who did not were killed. That's pretty solemn. Now notice the execution at the Passover. In 29 to 32, the termination of the firstborn is given. The uh, 10th plague judgment was brought forth by Yahweh himself. The judgment took place at midnight. The Lord struck all the firstborn in the land of Egypt. The ones judged were from the firstborn of Pharaoh's, notice, upon the throne, to the firstborn kept in the dungeon, and the firstborn of the life. That's straight across. The only exemption was those who had the blood. The terrible plight came upon the Egyptians in verse 30. Pharaoh's servants and all the Egyptians rose up at, at night and there was a great cry, a great lamentation for there was not a house where there was not one dead. Now, it, it, the little silly ritual didn't make much sense before. But it does now, doesn't it? Many people mock, oh, I can't believe that you would be so narrow Then the rest of people are going to go to hell. When they're in hell... It's going to make all the sense. You understand? And I don't say that with the smack. I don't want anybody to go to hell. That's why I preach so fervent as I do. We've got eternity on the line, ladies and gentlemen. We're talking about even being with God forever or being separated from God. Whether you think it's silly or not, it really doesn't matter to me. What matters is you have an opportunity to choose. And you're responsible for that choice. My responsibility is to proclaim Yours is to choose. The tried Pharaoh was humble now, 31 and 32. He summons Moses and Aaron by night. This is a contradiction to his last words. Remember in chapter 10, 28? He says, get away from me to Moses. 
Take heed to yourself and see my face no more, for in the day that you see my face again, you shall die. Wrong. You're going to die. He released them, saying, Rise, go out of them from among my people, both you and the children of Israel. And then he bows to Yahweh, and go serve the Lord, as you have said. But the bowing is not of his heart. It's not in humility. It's because he's got no choice, you understand? When somebody bows their heart to Christ, they love him. They do what they do because they love him. Not because they have to go to church. Not because they have to read the Bible. Not because they have to do certain things. They do what they do out of love. If your wife has to always tell you to do everything and is pulling teeth with pliers, you have forgotten that you loved her at one time. You do what you do out of love. A sense of feeling that I'm privileged. It's when I start thinking that really they're privileged that I start acting like an idiot. He offered no compromise any longer. Take your flocks off your herds. As you have said, be gone. And by the way, he makes a request. Bless me also. <laughs> Too much, huh? It's like the guy that, you know, you're saying goodbye and you say, you know, God bless you. And he says, yeah, God bless me too. <laughs> it's all about him, you know what I mean? Look at 33 to 36. The preparations, the night they left are given. In 33, the Hebrews were driven out by the Egyptians as God had told them. They didn't believe it at first, but here they are. The desperation of the Egyptians comes to a full end. And the Egyptians urged the people that they might send them out of the land in haste. They've had it. The perception of the Egyptians is very clear. They said, we shall all be dead. And so in 34, the Hebrews are ready to leave Egypt as God had told them once again. The people took their dough before it was leavened. They took their kneeling bowls being bound up on their clothes, on their shoulders also. And then in 35, the Hebrews had acquired monetary compensation by God. We've covered this before earlier. Here's the fulfillment of it. The children of Israel had done according to the words of Moses, asking the Egyptians, and this is back wages. They're not robbing the Egyptians, okay? It's back wages. They're happy to pay them right now, I guarantee you. Articles of silver, articles of gold, clothing, as God had told them. And so in verse 36, it's an important verse. It says, and Hebrews were able to obtain all their monetary gain by who? Due to God. The Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians so that they granted them what they requested. You may say, well, you know, I'm a pretty smart guy. You know, and I'm a hustler. And I just don't take no for an answer. Well, really? Well, who gave you your brain? Who keeps your lungs going at night when you go to sleep? Who keeps you healthy? Oh, well, I do a lot of, you know, vitamins and that. Yeah, okay. A lot of healthy people die. We get so enamored with ourselves, you know? We just, just love me so much. <laughs> Thus they plundered the Egyptians, meaning to spoil their strip. I've been in Egypt a lot of times. It's a third world country. It'll never rise. If Egypt did, you can throw your Bible away. Look at 37 through 39. We have the evacuation of the people. In 37... The route and population of the Exodus is given to us. The children of Israel journeyed from Ramesses to Succoth. I'm not going to get into it right now. We'll get in, in the next message when we get into the Exodus. We'll look at some of the geography. But notice 600,000 men on foot came out besides children. 
I presume is besides women also. Okay? Usually women outnumber men. So let's just give them equal standing. 600,000 women. That's 1.2 million. Let's be real conservative. Two kids. That's another 1.2 million. That's 2.4 million. Probably more close to 3 million. Because they didn't have birth control or anything else. And two kids is very, very conservative. This is confirmed throughout the Bible. Exodus 38, 26, the book of Numbers 146, 11, 21, about the 600,000. You understand? A lot of people. Look at 38. The Hebrews were joined by others from Egypt. This is important. A mixed multitude went out with them also. Possibly unequally yoked marriages. Hebrews that married Egyptians. It happens. Possibly some of the Egyptians that saw the plagues, they said, I'm out of here. I'm going with Yahweh. And it could have been the guy that was whipping them, and all of a sudden he's got his arm. Hey, bro, how you doing? I, I, I was only kidding all the time. They're walking out. <laughs> Let me tell you, there's always a mixed multitude in the church. They're here for the chicks. They're here for the benefit. They're here for the intellectual stimulation. They're in for a lot of different reasons. I'm not naive as a pastor. I I may look stupid, but I'm really not. (laughs) These are self-sufficient. They bring their flocks, their herds, a great deal of livestock. But they will be a problem to Israel in the book of Numbers. They're troublemakers. Look at 39. Hebrews had made certain food provisions. They baked unleavened cakes of dough. They brought out of Egypt. The reason was that the, it was not leavened because they were driven out and they couldn't wait and they had not made provisions. So matzah bread is pretty good for a while. There's going to be a short trip before they cross the Red Sea. It's going to be a scary one, but, and they'll mostly run on adrenaline. In verse 40 and 41, the Hebrews' time in Egypt is, was prophetically accurate. This is the focus here. Don't miss it. The prophecy in verse 40, the sojourn of the children of Israel... In Egypt was 430 years. God gave to Abraham the round number of 400 years in Genesis 15, 13. Stephen quotes it in Acts 7, 6. If you were in a Galatians study, we went through it in depth. Moses records the exact number of the Exodus, 430 years, which Paul quotes in Galatians three seventeen. Now, the fulfillment of the prophecy, listen to it. It came to pass at the end of 430 years on that very same day, verse 41. On the very same day. If it's not exactly accurate, if it's not a fulfillment, what is the use of these words? It came to pass that all the armies of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt on the very same day. Let me let you in on a secret. God's never been late. The emphasis is no coincidence. In our introduction to the book of Exodus, we gave you a date of 1445 for the Exodus. That's about the date that it is right here. A summary statement about Passover and Exodus is given in 42. The memorial of the redemption and deliverance. It is a night of solemn observance of the Lord to bring them out of the land of Egypt. And the memorial for all future Jews, this was the night of the Lord, a solemn observance for all the children of Israel throughout their generations. This is a historical event that has never been forgotten, and God doesn't want them to forget it. Listen to Isaiah. 
53, 3 through 6. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our face from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely he was, has borne our griefs, he's carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed." All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. You want a New Testament translation of Isaiah? 2 Corinthians 5.21. God made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Are you trusting the blood of Christ? His death and resurrection? Nothing like it. The entire Passover was done in faith according to what God had revealed to be the substitute for each person, the lamb. Individual choice. The author of Hebrews puts it this way regarding Moses. Hebrews eleven twenty eight. By faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he who destroyed the firstborn should touch them, the Hebrews. But I'm sure that some Hebrews didn't trust it. I'm sure some of them died. Understand? The Passover lamb, Jesus Christ, was and is the substitute for the sins of the world. Those who believe and trust in it and give themselves to it. It is a warning to those who reject it, who fall under the same judgment as the firstborn in Egypt for eternal damnation. John 3.36 says, He who has a son has life. He who hasn't a son has not life, and the wrath of God abides in him. God doesn't send a son to condemn the world, but that through him the world might be saved. The choice is yours, ladies and gentlemen. No one else's. The protection from judgment by God in the new covenant took place at Passover by the blood of Jesus Christ. Listen to Paul, Romans 3.25. Whom God set forth as a propitiation. Propitiation has a Hebrew connotation of satisfying God's wrath, meeting the requirement. By his blood, there's the blood again. Through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance God has passed over the sins that were previously committed. Oh, I'm so glad I never have to worry about my sin. It's buried in the deepest ocean. Romans 5, 9. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. What's coming? Wrath. 1 Thessalonians 5, 9, God is not appointed to wrath, but salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. I reject anything that teaches that the church is going to go through tribulation. The tribulation is God's wrath directly from the throne of God to the ungodly world. God is going to remove his church, you understand? The wrath against me fell upon his son. Peter puts it this way, 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold from your aimless conduct received from the traditions of your fathers, but by the precious blood of Jesus Christ, as a lamb without blemish and without spot. And so the Passover lamb, Jesus Christ, delivers and redeems all from the world, those who put their trust in him, because the world's a type of Egypt, bondage of sin. Listen to the words of Jesus, John 8, 36. Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you are free indeed. Are you free from bondage of sin? Are you enjoying the life of Christ? There's warfare. They're never going to stop. But it's a winnable warfare. You understand? It's a good warfare. Listen to Paul. 
Ephesians 1.7. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once afar off have been brought near to by the blood of Jesus Christ. Blood again, Ephesians 2.13. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, Colossians 1.14. And by him reconcile all things to himself by him, whether things on earth, things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of the cross. There it is again, Colossians 1.20. And you can go on as the blood, as the cross, as the life of Jesus. You understand? The superiority of Jesus, the Lamb of God, is clear and unmistakable in the book of Hebrews. Let me just give you about three verses. Hebrews 9, 13, and 14. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of heifer sprinkle the unclean, sanctify for the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanses your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. How much more? Hebrews 10, 18 through 22. Therefore, brethren, Christian, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus Christ. The holy of holies only the high priest could go. Now you can go in by the blood of Christ. By a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh when his flesh was torn on the cross. And having high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with true heart of full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Nothing but the blood of Jesus Christ. 1029 of Hebrews. Of how much sore or worse punishment do you suppose will be he thought worthy who was untrampled or who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified a common thing and insulted the Spirit of grace. Any movement, any person, any church, any nuance who despises the blood of Jesus, who tells you that Jesus' blood is not necessary, is under great severe judgment. I love what John tells us as he looks to the heavenly scene as Jesus is being worshipped. Revelation 5, 9, and 10. And they sang a new song saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open the seal, for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe, tongue, people, and nation, and have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. Amen. The blood of Jesus. The fulfillment of of the promise to Abraham in Genesis 12, 3. In you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. The Gentiles were always included. You understand? One sacrifice. One token. Blood. The execution of the Passover was prophetic of all who reject Christ. Don't ever miss that. So the Passover that led to the exit of the Hebrews from Egypt has unfolded for us in these three movements. Very, very clear. The institution of the Passover was prophetic of Christ. You can't miss it. The implementation of the Passover was individually looking forward to Christ. It was just a type. And the execution of the Passover was a type of all who reject Christ. And there are many today thinking they're so chic, so progressive, having positive energy. Those are all new image terms. Don't even use them. They're going backwards instead of forward. Their energy is not of the Lord. 
that's demonic. You make sure you plug to Jesus and everything will be okay. You plug into the wrong outlet, you're liable to be shocked to see what happens. Trust the Lord, no one else. He's the Lamb of God. What can wash my sin away? What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Pastor Xavier Reese wrapping up our look at Exodus chapter 12 today, a simple truth study of the Passover. Now, just before we close, let me mention that copies of today's study titled The Passover at Egypt are available on CD for just $4. And this will also include everything Pastor Xavier shared the last time we were together as well. So once again, the title to ask for is simply The Passover at Egypt, or just mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make a request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 